Hey everybody, this is JD. Um, as some of you may know, or if you're in Discord especially, um, my dad passed away last night on February the 11th. Um, he passed very peacefully. Um, he just, he went to bed and he, he, he just, he was gone, which is what he told me for many, many years, what he wanted and how he wanted to die. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that, that he, he went out on his terms. Um, so I, I'm recording this little intro. I have an episode that I was very fortunate enough to record with him, um, in 2020 after double or nothing, uh, that year, uh, we sat down and just talked about wrestling and that the pay-per-view for about an hour. And I wanted to, to share that with everybody. Um, we had released it previously on our Patreon feed as a special episode, but today I want to remember him and I want everybody to hear, um, something that me and my dad shared. Uh, we, we loved wrestling and to be honest, I'm, I'm still really numb right now. It's not real yet, but I have this this conversation with my dad, and I get to to go back and listen to it whenever I want to. And with that, I'm very very thankful. Um, please enjoy this episode. It was a very fun conversation. Um, I hope you guys like it. Uh, and you know, go go tell your dad that you love him because you know. One day they'll just they they'll be there and laughing with you, and then a couple hours later they're gone, and it's it's the hardest thing in the world. Um, I lo- I love my dad a great bit, and uh, to be honest, the the thing I'm really gonna miss the most is is him calling me on Thursday morning saying, "Hey, buddy, did did you watch wrestling last night?" And uh, I would say, "Yeah, dad." I watched the whole thing, enjoyed it. What what did you think? And he would usually say, well, I fell asleep in the middle, but then I woke up towards the end, and then there was some goober on the TV, and I didn't know who he was. Who was that? And I, <laughs> I would always say, um, Dad, I, ne- I need a little bit more details there. You can't just say that goober on TV, because that kind of describes the entire roster of AEW. Um, but that, that was just my dad. <laughs> he was just... That guy, that kind of guy, and uh, it's going to be a real hard time not having him here. Um, it's going to be a lot, a lot of hard times ahead. But I know he's always with me, and I'm happy that I got to spend so much time with him, especially the past few years. So please enjoy this quick episode. Um, and if you want to know more information uh, about what my dad and the services and stuff um will be post I'll post that in discord because I know while people aren't local they do want to reach out um and I appreciate that greatly um so just you know reach out in discord and let me know um love y'all hope you have a great week a much better week than I'm going to be having um and enjoy this this conversation that I had with my dad cuz we had a really good time talking about wrestling um yeah I don't, I don't want to take up too much of an intro, but enjoy, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is JD here, and I am doing a very special episode with my dad res- talking about wrestling, AEW's first year, and Double or Nothing. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we will see you guys for our normal recording on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Come hang out on YouTube for STE Raw, and I will catch you guys later. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is a very special episode. This is me and my dad sitting down to talk about wrestling, AEW for its first year, and Double or Nothing. Say hi, Dad. Hello. Okay, so it's been one year of AEW. What do you think so far? It's pretty good. Getting better as the shows go on. Pay reviews getting better there. Staying more with the wrestling than a lot of the federation, so I think I've got somewhere to go as long as they stay with their storylines and have somebody to make the storylines a lot better as each week goes by and make it more of a mystery who's going to win, they'll be all right. Yeah, they're definitely not doing what WWE is doing where you can pretty much tell from the start what's going to happen. That is true. 
Um, so before we talk about Double or Nothing, let's talk about how, when did you start watching wrestling? Oh, Lord, you're going to make me feel like I'm an old fart. <laughs> yeah, probably in my mid-teens. So, 70s? Yeah, somewhere around mid-70s, yeah, that'd be good. Okay. <clears throat> so you started watching probably with like um, Smoky Mountain Wrestling and NWA? Yeah, the first one I watched was the one that was based in Memphis with Jerry Lawler and the Jarrett family. Okay, very cool. So, what's been, you know, through the years, what's been some of your, your favorite matches that you've seen? Oh, Lord, that's a toughie. In person. In person, on TV, whichever. Probably the best one I've seen was in the old Omni between Dusty Rhodes. I forgot who his tag team partner was against uh, Anderson's, where he broke, I think, only Anderson's leg in his first steel cage match they ever had in Omni. Then from there, there's various ones. Ric Flair defended his belt against various people, especially the top ones in the South when he wrestled in here. When I started watching Georgia Championship wrestling, it'd be Tommy Rich. Okay. I'm sure you remember a lot of the, the Ricky Steamboat matches, too. Oh, yeah, they was classic. They was real good. A lot of them was performed during that time in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. that's Yeah, that made up track tracks. Um, and then, you know, when I was growing up, we, we got really into WCW. We didn't really watch much of WWF at the time. No. No, I didn't like it too well. Yeah, especially watching Dark Side of the Ring the past, you know, few weeks. It's very obvious where WWF was at the time. They were... Kind of a joke, to be honest. Well, they had good times. Good things when they first started years ago. But, you know, back in them days when it was the NWA and the WWF and AWA, that was these three main federations for good 20, 30 years. As each champion, they kept a champion belt because each federation had a committee deciding when they lost it, who they lost it to, and where. So then at that time with the old WWF, you had Bruno Santino. He got, he kept that belt after superstar Billy Graham. It was like each one of them held it for at least 10, 15 years apiece. Then you went Bob Backlund and then it just tallied on through till finally Huck Hogan took it. And then that's when all the TV and glanders started in that federation. But really the people that really got going good. That draw the crowd was when the NWA was going. The Crockett family moved in, and not only was they based in North Carolina, but they took over Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Then you had some very good tag team matches during them days between the Coloss and the Road Warriors, and then you had Magnum T.A. fighting Telly Blanchard for the U.S. Heavyweight Champion at various times. Just various people they brought in, which to me, the NWA had a very, very better booker i think the wwf or wwe ever had it just unfortunately it got balled out and then it's just a big bunch of glamour from there on up to probably to this day of time yeah that's that's pretty accurate i, I would have to agree with that um and then what did so at the time what did you think of ted turner buying into wrestling well, it started out pretty good until they brought in next story I guess whatever you want to call them, story people, bookers, or whatever they brought in. Well, it started, it wasn't. You know, they had Ric Flair, which he took off for the WWE. Then various people took over the booking. Then you brought Kevin Sullivan in, which was a very good mastermind of wrestling. He started out his years in Florida Championship Wrestling with the Graham family. So then it, Ruscio come in. To me, no offense to the man. He had pretty good deals of how booking it just got out ridiculous to me, I thought. And then it just went downhill after that. Plus, they paid out a lot of money for a lot of them wrestlers, which was killing them, trying to bring the revenue back in on the gate purse. Yeah, I mean, um, Bryce and I, we've talked about it a couple of times that Vince Russo has honestly been one of the worst things that ever happened to wrestling. He, he tried to make everything into the Jerry Springer show and – that's, oh, yeah. That's what started the Attitude Era. And while it was popular, it's 
it wasn't really good wrestling at all. Yeah. Now, he done pretty good with the NWO. <clears throat> Way he brought people in as a mystery. Each step, nobody knew what was going to happen. Then finally, after that, you about know who they were going to draw in. Then they finally, I think the last big name they brought in, if I ain't mistaken, was Scott Steiner. And then there, you finally just storylines petered out. Yeah, at that point, like everybody was in the NWO, and there was four different NWOs. Yeah, and then you had one poor old soul, Sting, trying to carry his side of the table, and he just couldn't keep nobody going with him. You know, he had Randy Savage at one time. Very different wrestlers. But then you look at it during that period of few months right there, they kept bringing in just people who was drawn in there with a paycheck from WWE. All you had to do is watch and go back and watch all that, and you'll see each person pop up there for a couple of months. It was just somebody from WWE. Every time you turn around, there was no new talent. Still, you had independent federations out there that had good talent. They didn't bring him in to push him to be a bigger name. They just said, well, we'll give this fella a big check paycheck. Everybody in TV land knows who he is. So it was just a spiraling out of control. Ted Turner was a very mastermind dude because years ago his daddy started TBS and did his daddy actually the one put wrestling on Channel 17. And then they brought in which one of the best announcers and all of them in the world agree with it was Gordon Soley. He, he sold that show every night. It come on Saturday night at Georgia Championship Wrestling. So, at various times and due to me, I just didn't like the way this unfolded. I thought it was a big thing for everybody out there to have their own federation, their own territory. It was a better example of wrestling. And people who was not out there just to be a showman, they was out there because they had a job to do and perform. Yeah, I think I, I I agree. I think a lot of wrestling has gone. It really went to the wayside when Vince started trying to buy everything so that he could be the one sole wrestling promotion. Um, and that's kind of been like one of the great things the past like maybe ten years with the indie promotions launching and becoming their own. You know, sort of just a a mini promotion to not really compete but sometimes compete with wwe you know we had ring of honor impact which was had some great moments at the beginning it kind of lost its way in the middle and they're sort of working their way back into being something pretty good now um new japan which is as long as i can remember has always been really good and just a different style of wrestling entirely and now with aew you know we have a good mix of competition to you know keep and like something a lot of people say is um wwe is good when vince has competition because it makes him think more and you know back in the 90s i, I would agree with that 100 percent. now i personally think vince is too old and he needs to step out away because he's way too much of a control freak yeah 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 still yeah he was a smart fella don't get me wrong but I still, my opinion, everybody's different. I still think it should have stayed the way it was. Each federation had their own deal. Every territory had their own deal, which helped any rising star during that period of time get to get to be better on TV than what it was. I think it was a bad deal because he started up in Canada, the Hart family they had, and then another federation up there, and then he robbed them of all their talent for you can't say anything wrong. The man's smart enough. He just bled it dab to where they had to fold up. And then he started in the United States seeing in each area who was a good crowd draw. And you can't take nothing away from the man or his group of people that was having to make these decisions. But to me, I still think, well, you got a few little old federation territories out there now, but nothing like it was years ago. Yeah. You know, you had down in Florida, like I said, you had a Graham family running it down there with various people wrestled down there because they lived there. And you got to go all the way back to Barry Wyndham, like I said, Kevin Sullivan. All different types. The Briscoe brothers, they were had the tag team belts down in that area. And then you moved up here, which surprised me when they showed on that dark side of the ring the other day. Ole Anderson was the first one to discover the Road Warriors. And brought, I remember when they come to Georgia. And with their mastermind feller behind him, Paul, 
he took them to different federations all through the world, Japan, everywhere. Now, you're talking about New Japan back in the 70s and 80s. I don't know if it was New Japan or All Japan, but... Uh, it, uh, I believe it was All Japan back then. And yeah. Then New Japan is one of the newer promotions, but they kind of... Yeah, the oldest ones over there was the one that used to hold, I remember, once a year they had the biggest tag team tournament ever. As a matter of fact, Scott and Rick Stein, one which I've seen, was the biggest championship trophy and belts that ever was won and it was like i think it wound up a two-week tournament and you had some of the biggest names in wrestling over there at that time which was very good but still you know a lot more difficult to to watch that back then but you got this aew which is coming on which you know cody you know is sitting and looked at one of the masterminds of booking was dusty road he come through the hard way of wrestling. He earned when you you know anybody buys book everything in it's the truth. You know I can remember when them guys traveled from t- town to town in a car. They didn't have a luxury of an airplane. Then as they moved up in the world, when Dusty come in with a with a Crockett family, they decided they had to have somebody. So he came in and, and he's the one to come up with some of the best storylines ever was, and probably the best booker ever was so you got his son them going from there so all they got to do is stay with originality of wrestling people out there call it fake it ain't fake it's a job it's a performance you got to know the skill of this job or go to somebody that's very well trained and a lot of people i don't know the japanese guy's name in florida you had lex luger all of them went down there and trained under that guy for years to, to show the technique of wrestling yeah, I think that's something, you know, that's something I was always, you know, you told me for the longest time, you, it's, wrestling is not fake, it's a, it's a performance, like, they may know who the winner is going to be at the end and some of the, the big highlight moments, but these guys are, you know, they're trained athletes, they know exactly what they're doing and they've spent a lot of time to perfect this art. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get me wrong, you know, then these guys like that or not now. Stadium match, the way it ended, you know, them two come flying off up there, 15, 16 foot. I don't give a damn what you build it out of or what you do. You still got to hit that final thump. And I guarantee you, Nick, now you got up and took town all done something and said, well, hell, I hope the crowd was pleased with that deal because I don't want to do it tonight. <laughs> yeah, it, it don't make it, make it damn what you do. That shit hurts. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like years ago, you know, we watched that Dark Side of the Ring by Jimmy Snooker. He was the first guy in the world. Decided, hell, I'm going to just freak these son of a bitches out. So he crawled up top of that cage and done a splash on top of Dom Rocco. And, you, you know, you go back and watch that thing. That poor fella bounced five foot back up in the air. So, hey, that's not fake. No. I'm sorry. It ain't fake. So, you know, talking about Dark Side of the Ring, you know, we've, we've both been watching that. I know you, you – um, you kind of have the, a little bit of a, a bonus here because you remember a lot of the event, events that they talked about. Um, so what's been the, your favorite episode of the, these two seasons of that show? Well, the biggest thing was a mystery for years. And I'm going to tell you, I, I have to throw a little bit in here. This Brody Lee looks just like Bruiser Brody. I don't know if he's any kin side to there or not, but the biggest mystery was Bruiser Brody, in which this guy here doing the dark side of the ring goes through the depth of actually bringing you the truth of any storyline he's doing there was always speculation did he get knife down there in the caribbean islands yeah carlos cologne run that place which was a superstar wwf at the time and so he had his region down there as it said in that segment he was going down there old bunny or he was going to buy in these territories because this guy right here ain't no shit in the world there's no fake and it even surprised me had Abdul the Butcher on there. And them two fought from one end of the world to the other, and that they brought blood. And it showed the fact was the man got murdered in that locker room, which surprised me. Tony Atlas was in that locker room. Yeah, I, I was not aware. I've read the, the Bruiser Brody story online, you know, on Wikipedia and stuff, but I w- was also not aware of Tony Atlas being right there and. You know, it it's a, it was a terrible story. It was terrible all around, and I think it was pretty fucked up on all counts. Oh yeah, yeah. Even like old Dutch, old Dutch Mantel. Now he started out with the Jarrett family, 
which you could go down there at that time. That's what I'm relating to these territory. Mm-hmm. These youngers go down there and make five, six thousand dollars a parents because these damn people down there and all over the world they take that wrestling effect and they fill them coliseums up and ever match. Even I watched it on TV years ago. It's always outside stadium match. The ring was set up outside. And the biggest draw was putting Bruiser Brody and Abdul and Butcher as the main card. And underneath that, any very star from the United States that these people recognize. But Dutch Mantel was another mastermind of following the money and helping any territory he could. And he made good money at it. Yeah, he definitely did. And he, you know, I remember him not as much. Uh, when I was younger, but more more recently, when he was with WWE and he was the the mouthpiece for um, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, that's another mystery dude right there. No, he's a fucked up guy, and he's going to jail again <laughs> for some real fucked up shit. But, yeah, he was very talented. Yeah, he was, and it's kind of kind of sad, but <coughs> you, you can tell the the drugs got a hold of him, and that's. Where that's at. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's been around for years. It's been around for years. You watch some of these storylines, like Gino Hernandez. A lot of y'all don't remember him. As a matter of fact, I forgot all about him. Another story goes the Von Eric family running the Texas territory. Now, I'm telling you what, they put some son of bitches out out through there from Chris Adams to the start of the Freebirds. To their own Von Eric, but that was a sad family right there. Stardom killed by half a dozen of them boys. They couldn't handle it. Various things happened to them, but yeah, that was a that was a good wrestling league for years, for years. Yeah, they they were also kind of you know being in Texas, they were a little bit instrumental in bringing some of the luchadors up, weren't they? I think they were to tell in at the start of it all through them years. Now you didn't see a whole lot of them. They kind of. Stayed the biggest, Lord, what would be the biggest start come out of Mexico? I can't say his name. He only appeared in WWF. Mel. Mel Mascaras? Yeah, big dude. Yeah, big that, dude. That's something. Uh, he was the first star to come out of Mexico, and I'm telling you what, he, uh, he was a mastermind. Yeah, that's something, you know, Bryce and I are, we're, we're very familiar with from watching all the years of Lucha Underground, and, you know, we've done a lot of research on that, and, it's a, a fascinating culture, especially with some of the older luchadors where, you know, like uh, Mil Mascarez, uh, Santo, and Blue Demon, where you didn't actually know who they were because you never saw them without the mask. Yeah. And then, the, you know, the big story is like um, Santo was masked for 50 plus years. He took his mask off on a television appearance at random, and then he died four days later. Oh, did he? Yeah. It's, Didn't know that. It's kind of crazy. Um, and that's, you know, that's where one of the things that brought me back into wrestling was Lucha Underground and, you know, introducing you that to you and, you know, the new breed of Lucha guys who are kind of taking some of, like, Rey Mysterio's lead and, you know, really putting themselves out there. Because, I mean, I remember watching Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero doing those all-star matches in WCW. And that's where I see a lot of today in um, – Pentagon and Phoenix, where, you know, yeah, they are brothers, but yeah. I see Phoenix being a spiritual successor to Rey Mysterio, just of how he performs and all the crazy shit he can do. Yeah, that Guerrero family, they've been around for years. Uh, Eddie and Ed, what's his brother's name? Eddie's brother? Um, it was his, I don't remember his brother, it was his nephew Chavo. Yeah, Chavo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still around. I don't think he wrestles much anymore. But yeah, that was another big family down in that area. Their daddy wrestled with Mel and all them. But yeah, they. Uh, I'd say I wouldn't take me to maybe the mid eighties. A lot of it was tag team people come out of there, but they rather kind of stayed in their territory more. Than, now they travel a lot to Hawaii. Don't get me wrong. And you know, you had that federation over there was run by the Rock, I think, grandfather, and the various people went over there and made various appearances. I don't know how that was. It wasn't a whole lot of television over here towards that, or, or actually anything to do with them. No, in the Mexican League, I don't think it really got going to the. What was it? Hardy Boys went through winning all them tag team belts and went down there and won one when they held all them belts before they went back to WWE. So, 
so that was a little bit of their resurgence. A lot of it has, has really come out of um, Lucha Underground helped out a lot. And when Rey Mysterio left WWE the, the last time, and he just kind of went and worked everywhere, that helped out a lot. They've had a lot of um, multi-generational talents come start in into the industry, which has helped them. But it's been a... They've kind of really just been quiet, but really the, the all-star talents are starting to come out of Mexico. And, you know, sadly with the pandemic, we're not going to be seeing some of those guys for a while. But no. um, it's it's changed a lot. And they've it's in some ways it's great. In other ways, it's just like WWE where they have one kind of crazy person running the show. And if you get on his wrong side, then you're done. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. But that's actually, you know, you watch some of these programs, you know, not throwing a man down. Like I said, he's a very smart businessman, but you piss a Vince McMahon off, you just shit out looking at the degree, you know, a lot of these superstars or wrestlers that have left theirs going to agree with this, you know, you've got to go with the flow or you get the hell off the boat and go find you a job somewhere else. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Look at Bret Hart. Yeah. You know, he got screwed in Montreal, went to WCW. I don't even think he wrestled one match in WCW or him and Goldberg done something. I various I remember. I don't think he wound up doing anything after that. I don't think he wrestled hardly any until he started having health problems. So yeah, that's something. Like I remember when Bret Hart went over, and I remember he did a couple like ref- special guest referees, but I don't really remember him doing many. No. No, I don't think he wrestled it. No, I don't. If I remember right, no, he didn't. Hell, he didn't wrestle at all. You know, it was a bad decision. Bad decision. You know, he was based in that federation, which that was going back to another time in WCW and then the people that took over there. And there was a lot of bad blood right there in that front office, WCW, when it come folding up from the NWA to that. But he never, he should have stayed. I guess he should have stayed. Probably. Yeah. He was a big star there. He made a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, he, he made a hell of a lot of money just signing that contract with WCW. But He was a good performer, too. Yeah, he was. Um, and, the, you know, speaking of Vince McMahon, that's kind of a funny thing, you know, especially with AEW right now with um, Brody Lee's The Exalted One gimmick. is We've heard a lot of rumors that he is modeling this right after Vince McMahon with the mannerisms and um, some of the things he says, like he hates sneezing and things like that, which is, we've heard a lot of rumors in the past of Vince McMahon. I think the other night showed just how good a, if you look at his match the other night with uh, Mosley, then if you go back and look at any match they try to do for him in a WWE like night and day. Yeah, it really is. He uh, really brought what he knew. And it was a hell of a match between him and Mosley. I'm glad Mosley, whatever hell of a name, he run with the WWE. Yeah, I know he come up through their training facility. I think he made a good decision. Like I said, these old boys here trying to run his AEWs, like I said earlier. You got to stay with your storylines. You've got to keep that crowd coming. You can't sit there. And them sit there like you go with that first tag team match, which was unfortunate. They hadn't wrestled or known anything about each other. You about damn near decided what they was going to do. They sat too long waiting on each other's move, but you've got to keep the people on the edge of the seat if you're going to make this last. Now, like I said, I've watched this shit for 45 years. Anybody go out there, go somewhere and get you some tapes, watch wrestling from years ago to now, and you're going to see a big difference in the storylines. Now, Going back to, like I said earlier, all these little territories, biggest, worst, I tell you, you asked me earlier about a match, and my mind goes back and forth. But during the Georgia Championship Wrestling, me and my brother went down there to the Civic Center in Marietta to watch a wrestling show. Had Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer on there. The bloodiest damn match I've ever seen in my life. And I'm telling you, these boys brought blood from all over the place. Matter of fact, Buzz Sawyer was bit a piece of Tommy Rich's forehead off, spitting his woman's lap, and she passed out there in the first row. But 
kind of puts New Jack to shame. It was, oh yeah, and they went to the people that was running this and told them, you know, this is it. We are not going to allow this in the state of Georgia anymore. That was just way too far-fetched. Of some, matter of fact, I think one of them had to give them blood before they left the Civic Center. <laughs> wow. See, that's that's really interesting because I you know I watched that episode of Dark Side of the Ring and they were talking about New Jack and that motherfucker got started in Georgia and that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, he's a crazy son of a bitch. He know, he just like I said, watch that show. He tell you right quickly. You know, let me give me a couple of lines of cocaine. Well, hell, I ain't ashamed admit it. That years ago, me and my cousin used to sit there and get stoned for we watched wrestling. We enjoyed it a lot better. But that crazy son of a bitch right there. He can get loaded up on cocaine like he showed in that show. You know, he was the first one to do one of the serious scaffold matches. New Jack and that other guy, he hit him with a damn electric probe to throw his ass off that ring. Yeah. And then he got, yeah, and then he got, you know, got charged twice for assault. But yeah, yeah, he was crazy. He was the one where everybody in his crowd was expecting anything to go down. He was going to go down with him. He didn't, no doubt in mind. Well, you take over out doing the butcher hours, you know, some bitch brought that fork out there. When it matter of minutes, ain't gonna saw lines across your forehead. Or his own. Oh yeah. So let's um let's get into double or nothing because you know it's still still pretty fresh in our minds. Um, you know, Bryce and I we recorded our episode about it yesterday and we went through and talked all about it. Um, so we were we both kind of agreed that yeah, this is it was weird being a you know like quote um quarantine pay-per-view but what they pulled out and what they put together was easily kind of one of the best pay-per-views that either of us have ever seen and by far the best aew pay-per-view even though you know there was no crowd and you know we're bummed out that we weren't there in vegas seeing it live but it was it was pretty awesome what do you think Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's any any sport you're watching right now, just like watching racing last night. It's kind of weird not to have a crowd. You know, that's what makes the whole ball game go a lot better. But as as each pay-per-view, since I've started watching them, paying attention to them, yeah, yeah, they're getting better and better. They're getting very good at it. I think the stadium stampede could have used a few more tools at it than what they used, but – it turned out excellent at the end of it. Yeah, that was great, and we will we'll get to that one. Let's um let's go down the card, and you know we'll go a little bit as as it happened on the on the pay per view. So let's start with the the buy in match, Private Party versus the Best Friends, which was supposed to be a number one contender match. Um, so I thought this it was all right. I wasn't really a fan of it. Um, the ring rust was very very apparent with Private Party, and um. In my opinion, I thought the best friends were kind of getting frustrated with it and how sloppy it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was very... I was wondering if it was going to be a dud of a dud to start with, but, you know, everybody got a, gets a, a pass every once in a while. It's probably a last-minute decision. You know, people are different how you like to watch wrestling. That private party to me... I think it's trying too many obsolete moves, you ask me, but that's their own bag of tricks. Best friends, they're pretty decent. But if you're going to bring in a tag team and start, you know, you got them two holding the belts, you're going to have to bring somebody in that's going to really bring that a little better to a better step than what you've seen and what they've got in tag team right now. No offense to any of them. Yeah, I think it's. Tag team division as well as the women's division, it's a little rough right now because, you know, a lot of the, the key pieces are not able to perform right now. So they're, they're making do with what they got. But, I mean, I, I've seen great matches out of private party, but this one, this was not it. Nah, it was a dud. Maybe they need to send somebody out and start raiding territories for some ass-kicking tag team oh, people. Wicked-looking son of a bitch is what I'm looking for. There's uh there's a one tag team that just got released from the the other company the the we're known as the revival and we're just kind of waiting for them to premiere. There's uh there's some bad dudes right there. Yeah, let's say what they got. So the next match we had is at the start of the pay per view was the the casino ladder match. <laughs> what did you think? Oh man, let me study a minute. <laughs> 
Who was that? Pretty good. Pretty good. Which one was it got thrown through the damn ladder? I'm telling you what, that poor old Darby kid. <laughs> somebody's got to be taking volumes. He's, poor he's, kid, I'm telling you what, no bigger than he is. Nah, damn. Kid's got rubber bones, man. He just don't give a shit. And then they brought old Musclehead in. What's his name? Brian Cage. Yeah, he, he started out what that Mexican League or whatever that, yeah, that I, was. He was in uh, Lucha Underground and that's kind of the crazy thing is you see a motherfucker that big who can bounce around like a luchador is. And he can move. Yeah. Be his size. What is he, 280 easy? Yeah, he moved good. That turned in as it went. Yeah, it got better. They got better. You know, that's another thing you got to talk about, you know, is each one, you know, you go over these matches before you do them let make sure you know where you're at. But, yeah, is that guy going? Yeah, it got better. It got better. But like I said, that poor old Darby, Darby Allen kid, he got, he's got my heart. And now I'm telling you, he's a full-fledged, die-heart, lovable wrestler. He, yeah, and he's he's super, super talented as well. Um, kind of a, a crazy story I saw him because I watched that um, other show on Vice, The Wrestlers. This is that first episode of that. The what? called the wrestlers i ain't saying I'll, I'll show it to you after after we get done with this so he's in the, he's in the first episode and he's um wrestling a match it's a kind of a hardcore match um gets hit with a shovel and the hit goes a little wrong it's kind of like one of those just freak accidents and the edge of it clipped his elbow oh his yeah elbow yeah now no cracked the bone man and he then wrestled a 25 minute match with one arm. Yeah, not getting away from the story here. Wasn't he on that damn first season dark side of the ring where they was up north or he was in one of them segments anyway? Yeah, because he came in there toting all this shit out of a van and the guys, I don't know about this. Hey, it'd be all right. And then he had his damn table, barbed wire stapled to it. And then he brought out this, yeah, this kid. And that's just in a damn. Just a small high school stadium he's performing something like this so yeah he's he's die hearted I hope the damn hell he's got damn good medical injured because um, it showed him up there internally bleeding after he got through with that match yeah I hope he's he's probably got something good I know he's got a very pretty wife um so when Cage came in what did you think of with Taz being his manager uh, that took me by that. That was that was a good one there. That took me by surprise, you know, because he ain't been around in a few weeks. That was a hell of a wrestler in the ECW. Now, Lord and mercy, but yeah, yeah, that was very good. I liked him. Yeah. So one one thing, and it's a little unrelated, but we've talked, um, we've heard a lot of interviews with Tony Khan, and he's mentioned um, that he wants to bring the role of the manager back into wrestling. That. Um, he feels that, um, especially Vince has destroyed that role because Vince never liked managers. Uh, Jim Cornette, one of them. Yeah. So, well, we're not going to talk about Cornette because he's, he's a fucking psychopath. But, he's a what? He's a psychopath. He's crazy. I don't give a damn. He knows wrestling. He does know wrestling. That's some of the best brought out the best of tag teams I watched from the 70s on up. Um, yeah. And he hates Ruscio. Yeah, it's I can see that, um, and that's I've I've said this before. It's one of the most disappointing things that that Jim Cornette is so fucking crazy because he is an encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling and he knows so much. If he just wasn't, <laughs> you said that right, a fucking crazy person. No shit, but yeah, you bringing that up since you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've always been around, you know. Uh, you know, not getting away from the story here, but Lord, who you got, Bobby the Brain Healing? He uh. Escorted Nick Bockwinkle when he's AWA champion for years. No, I, you got Paul Everly. You got shit Paul Bear. What was that guy's name that escorted Undertaker now? That was Paul Bear. And then you had that other crazy son of a bitch. What was his name? He uh, always, when he was in Texas, always they always came out in ambulance with Bru- Bruiser Brody. What was that guy's name? Gary Hart. Okay, yeah, and like, you know, in AEW we have you, know, you ain't got nobody now if you look at it. There's managing. nobody, yeah. Yeah, we got their arms, you know, managing Cody. Well, I'm what I'm saying up to now. Oh, yeah, and, you know, that's one of the things that Tony Khan has been very adamant about adding in, you know, with Arn Anderson, with Cody. Tully Blanchard. Yeah, Tully Blanchard, who's been with Sean Spears. You still need somebody like Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the south. 
I uh, yeah, you could bring you could bring him in. I, I think there's some of the wrestlers now who even in, as competitors could be very good managers, and it's it's a great thing to bring in like a lot of these older guys who like you want them to, around to establish. Hell, bring Rick Flair in as a manager. Shit, he's always wanting to do something with wrestling. I'd be down, but he has said he will not betray Vince. Oh, shit, no. That's That's another big story how he left. Went up there and they say, yeah, yeah, let's get back to originality of what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So the next match. He's a crazy son of a bitch anyway. Yeah, he is. He he really is. Um, So the next match on the card, MJF versus Jungle Boy. Both of them very talented. It, it, they uh, played off each other good enough to put on a good match. That's that's good. MJF, he's got to, he's got the knack to talk. Jungle Boy, I don't know. Maybe he's gonna be a little solid. He's he's talented. He uh, he held his own. He done. It was a real good match. Still very young too. And what is he? About twenty, twenty one, twenty two, something like that. I, I think actually both of these guys, MJF as well, are about twenty three. Where did MJF come from? So he's uh he's from Long Island and where did he start at? Right. Uh, I think he was up in uh, in uh, Evolve. I don't know which. Oh, Ohio, somewhere like it. Uh, so up somewhere up in New York. Um, that work. But just the craziness is like you have these two guys who've done this for like five years and they're already at this level and basically going to be the two faces of the company going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. Don't get hurt. Yeah, that's going to – I mean, if MJF gets hurt, I think he'll be fine just shit-talking everyone. That proves they'll be getting hurt. That girl, what was her name, Baker? Rip Rip, Ripped her knee out of pieces. Yeah, so, well, let's let's jump ahead to, to Britt Baker because I, I have a lot of thoughts. What, what are your thoughts on Britt Baker? I think when I'm changing her storyline and done her some good, but unfortunately she got hurt. So you're going to have to wait and see how she deals with that coming back. A lot of people deal with it different. Anyway, you look in your mind, you're going to be gun shy on some of the moves you was performing before. You're going to be told by that doctor, if it's actually an injury, you go to Alabama to the greatest surgeon out there, and then he's going to sit there and tell you, hey, you can't stand on top of that ring, jump off that son of a bitch anymore, because that knee, I can only do so much to. So you're just going to wait and let time itself decide. I'd say if it's actually what they said it is, it'd be four months before you ever see her again. Yeah, more than likely, that's it's not a great injury, and sadly, like she, you know, she's been in AEW since the beginning, and in a year, she has hurt herself three times, and it's been three pretty serious injuries yeah. now. You know, we had the knee thing this past week, a couple weeks ago, she got her nose busted because she, at the same time, also wasn't paying attention. Yeah, that was by accident, there. And then, you know, right at the beginning of AEW, she got a concussion because she took another move wrong. So it's going to be really interesting if she actually comes back because I think this is the time when it's really going to test her dedication on if she wants to be a wrestler or if she wants to be a dentist. Yep, that is true. So let's... um, She got plenty of time to think about it. Yep, and her and her her dead boyfriend. Who? Her, Her boyfriend's Adam Cole. Oh, Lord. There's a, two a, different federations, two different people. Just like, oh, watch her face now. She was pregnant the other night. Yeah. yeah. And guess who the daddy was? Seth Rollins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I keep hoping Adam Cole. Does. That was a mind blower. Uh, I'm hoping Adam Cole comes to AEW because I, I love that guy. Yeah, he's a good. Uh, oh, I was going to go another one. There was some good wrestlers at Ring of Honor. I just hate the way that happened. I don't, they're around, but it's. Well, they got the Briscoe brothers there, but still, it's not good as it was when all of them was there. Yeah, Ring of Honor's in a weird place right now because um, they pretty much dropped all of the money to Marty Scroll and gave him basically the keys to the kingdom. He is uh, he got a, a multi-million dollar contract. He's the head booker. He can make any kind of partnerships he wants. They basically just said, do what you want. Just please don't leave. They better uh, reach out to uh, New Japan for some help yeah. and everywhere else. So, 
Back to our double or nothing. The next match on the card was the TNT Championship match. Um, First thing I'd like to say, I thought they should have done a better job of designing that belt. Yeah, that belt looks like shit. Um, Maybe it was a rush job. I don't know. Hopefully to God. Because I know know they didn't go to the mastermind of belt making. That's for damn sure. They they did not. They they did say in the pay-per-view that the belt is unfinished. That due to supply chain issues, they were not able to get the rest of it completed in time. I'm kind of hoping, and we talked about this on the show yesterday, that they just bring in a whole new belt and just scrap that thing because it really just looks like a, a cheap prototype. Yeah, like I said, it, it was a rush job. It's yeah. all, it was all right, you know, from the start and beginning of that, but, you know, you got to write some TNT. Should have been in enough time to do better. Yeah. So, As a match. You got to wonder anybody sitting out there if that big son bitch comes in the ring. You know, <laughs> this kid got a chance at taking his finger out of his ass and doing something or what we're going to do here. But anyway, it wound up. It wound up good. The dude has been around enough to where he can work with anybody. You got Cody doing all he can do to bring him through each step of the way the match went. So. Yeah. It's like anything else. As it goes, that's the way you can only tell if it's going to be a good match. If they work off each other, and they've done a hell of a job doing that. And I thought it was funny old Jake come in there. Uh, there's you another crazy SOB. But anyway, I like the way they're bringing some of these old wrestlers in to help. But I thought, sure, he's going to break the snake out. Well, I mean, he already did. He brought it out a couple of weeks ago and dropped it on Brandy, which was all kinds of fucked up. But Yeah, you ain't seen her since, have you? Uh, oh, no, never mind. She came out there yeah. with her brother, did she? Yeah, she's kind of living into the a little bit of the valley rolled with... What if she was still in a snake mode? I mean, I'd be afraid of a giant snake like that. Um, I'd shit in my pants. Yeah. I'd give a damn if they gave me $25,000. Keep that son of a bitch off of me. It's kind of kind of crazy. One of the things I love about Lance Archer is every time he comes out, he just fucks somebody up. And past few weeks, he's been dragging somebody from backstage out with him and just laying them the fuck out. I, I love that whole gimmick. And um, from what I've seen, he did that a lot in New Japan as well. And there was um, he was talking to Jericho on Jericho's podcast, and there was one night where. Jericho had a specific uh, one of the they called them the young boys in Japan. They had one guy who's going to do a, like a, an angle with, and Lance came out and he fucked them all up. He just like ran roughshod on all of the the training guys at, on that ringside. And Jericho's like, "Please God, don't hit the one I need. Don't hit him. Don't hit him." Thankfully, Lance didn't. But man, he just he fucks everybody up. He gives no shits. Yeah, he ain't been racing a while, right? He's actually been wrestling for about 15 years. Bullshit. Yeah, he did. A, uh, he had a stint in uh, WWE when like original NXT was happening, when it was like a game show. Yeah. And then he went and spent eight years in Japan. Yeah, they'd like to pay my good money over. Oh, yeah. Especially a big guy like that. Oh, yeah. Any of them, you know, like I said, that goes back years ago, 70s, 80s. You can go over if you get enough. You're going they're going to well take care of you. It's like a guy, I remember Steve Williams, Dr. Death, they called him. Him and, uh, when, uh, what was that big old Barry Gordy when he left Freebirds? They formed a tag team and they stayed over, I think, up to the untimely death of Barry Gordy. And then Steve just faded out and finally retired out of it. And I don't even know if the man's still alive or not, but, uh, uh he is. He was on the, the episode of Dark Side of the Ring when they were talking about that, um, Brawl for All bullshit tournament. Oh, was it? Yeah, he was the one that got fucked in that, and um, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I the Cody's always put on some good matches. I know a lot of people that we, you know, in our in our Discord and our community aren't too fond of his his style because it's you know it's very methodical. It's more that old style of wrestling that you know you and I are very used to. Hell. And then him with Lance Archer was awesome. Um, what'd you think of Mike Tyson? That was a good, that's a good deal. I was just disappointed he didn't knock somebody out. 
Yeah, we were too. We were, we talked about. I that. thought they'd bring that a little more to it, but maybe they changed it up to the time the storyline got started or whatever. But yeah, that was good in bringing it out. They brought out different people, present them belts. What was it? What AEW? What was it? Bret Hart brought it out, mm-hmm. and then the tag team belt, Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, they uh, who's ever doing these storylines have got a good creative mind. Just like I said earlier, you got to stay with it. You can't slack up or. You'll never make it. Yeah. So one of the one thing that we did we've learned in the past few days is um, Iron Mike will be on Dynamite this week. For oh, really? A follow up appearance. Oh yeah. So you know maybe I'll knock somebody out of that It's possible. We keep speculating. You know, he's been posting those videos online and saying he's back and he's been training. Maybe he's gonna be a wrestler. You thinking Lord Anderson and Jack Roberts will ever have a match? Um. I think it would be fun. I don't think it should happen. Those guys yeah. are both way too old. Oh, yeah. I think the the moment they had on Dynamite this week where they were just shit-talking each other was great, but uh, those, those two guys don't need to get in the ring again. They're both nah. in their 70s. No, they just tell you where they're at. They'll be all right. So, um, next match that we had was the... Um, the re- the kind of pivoted match with Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. Um, this was all right. It turned out better, you know, it being a last decision. Oh, Penelope, she's got some moves now. She can move. Yeah. But finally, that old gal with her size and all outdone her. It was a, it was a decent match. I it could have been better, I guess, in some different angles of it. Uh, that's kind of the thing that we we had a problem with is that. There was no angle here. This was just thrown together, so there wasn't really any heat behind it. Um, one of the things I, that wasn't kind of unrelated that I thought, felt was the funniest was Chip Sabian walking out, you know, taped up all, all over and on crutches because he got his ass whipped earlier in the night. Um, so that was that was it was all right. It was. I mean, I'm glad that they're continuing the women's division. They need to keep highlighting it. Um, oh yeah. But we we move on to the um, the Sean Spears versus Dustin Rhodes match. That was just a good old ditch ass whooping, all I can say. Kind of surprised me how Spears come out there dressed like he was and get stripped down his underwear with his ass hanging out. But that was a good good thing for old Dustin. You know, he stepped there and took some defeats to push people, so that helped him. But, you know, he's in a hell of a career. Went back for years. Yeah, we were thinking this. This one really should have been Sean Spears winning because you know they've they've moved him into this kind of comedy angle with his you know CNN. Yeah, I don't like that shit. Oh, I thought it's hilarious. I think he needs to go back to that evil side as he started out when he come in, especially when he whacked old Cody Rhodes over the head with a chair. That's kind of been the problem. But that petered out. Yeah, that's really been the problem with Sean Spears. Everything he's done is just kind of just stopped and. He could have. She should have kept it going after All Out. He had a great angle, and then they just kind of. Well, I mean, really, he just kind of stopped it because, especially for characters, it's it's on the individual wrestlers to keep it going. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this maybe this will happen. Who the hell knows? Anything is good, and anything can happen. Yeah. So the then we we, we move into the the double header of um, championship matches: um, Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. That big old guy got a damn a king old stick ass whooping walking right there, right there, big boy. Yeah, she did. And I, that surprised I, me, though, how that turned out. You know, I figured the girl hold the belt a little longer, but that's another good angle. You, you, you're changing that belt around, which, like you said already, is going to help the women's division. But, yeah, yeah that was a good match. I liked him. Yeah, Surprisingly, was, you know, I, I was going back and forth, you know, I picked the underdog just for the hell of it, but I, luckily I picked it right. It was it was a really good match. I did, did a lot of cool stuff, you know, doing, being non-disqualification. I don't think I've ever seen a kendo stick break on television before. That was that was something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she wiped dog shit out of her, didn't she? Yeah, that, that, was, that was no gimmick. That was a legit breaking a kendo stick. So then, um, or yeah. if she took it home with her, 
did. Put she it on her mantle that I whacked the hell out of this woman's ass. Yeah, she post, posted some photos on Instagram of uh, one of them was of, of her back with the welts from that kendo stick, and then with the broken kendo stick, and just um, and then she's posted some YouTube videos of her. She's treating herself with all kinds of ice cream with her new championship belt. Oh, uh, too. She did a. a yeah, she's a she's a very talented performer. Yes. Um, and then, then we have Moxley versus Brody. How long does he hold the belt? Well, you got old Cage coming in. Uh, yeah, that's Do you good. think you know? Would you hand it over to him right now? I don't think so. I think you could push that. I think you can push it and go back and forth between Brody Lee. How long Brody Lee stay there? Who the hell knows? He doing better. To me, the angle of what they're doing with him here in WWE did with him a hell of a lot better. That was a hell of a goddamn match. It was. He brought the blood. Yeah. Especially when they fell through that damn. The stage, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was one of them Taz moments from ECW. It, that definitely was. Um, so Brody is under, he is a multi-year contract, so we got we to gotta look good long while with him. Hey, I read it for a while. So we have, we've been, we've learned that Brian Cage will be defending his, using his title shot um, sometime next month against Moxley. Um, they're going to be doing a repeat of the Fighter Fest event. Um, obviously, completely yeah. different from yeah. original plans. Yeah. Um, but got that's going to be sometime next month. So got to, yeah, man, man, you got to, you got to play with it. Keep the people, like I said, on the edge of the seat. What's going to happen week to week? That's the biggest thing here. You've got to stay ahead of the people and not let them spec. Just as soon as somebody walks down in the ring, who the hell's going to already win? It's like I said, it's a known fight in wrestling. Go back to the 50s or 60s, 70s or 80s. Keep the people on the edge of the seat. Give them what they're wanting. Ain't none of this photographic horse shit. Story in line, just get to the base and throw a little stuff in there with it, you know. You know, you jump off the top rope, do it. Like I said, I think with the direction these guys have, and young as they are, with a little bit of his brother's help from the years back, they got to keep it within the storylines. I, I think it was a great pay-per-view. You know, like I said, it started off, I was wondering. The uh, championship matches was great. I think that stadium match, I tell you one, really blowed my damn mind when old boy come out on the horse. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm telling you, him and that drinking, they have done a real good job with him, and he's come a long way. He's a good performer. Omega, now, I just don't know how much this kid, this kid guy, you know, he's been wrestling overseas for years, how much more his body can take before he has to say, well, boy, somebody else has got to do this. I'm going to perform but some of this crazy bullshit yeah. jumping 20 foot off into the fake stadium for us to crash through. I just can't take my tail bone, nothing but a piece of fucking rubber. Oh, well, that's Matt Hardy right now, but it's um, No shit, it's showing. Yeah. So before we get into the stadium stampede, I know you're excited to talk about it because I'm excited to talk about his best wrestling match I think I've ever seen in my life. So could still use some tools. Yeah. So the way that they they built the Brody versus Moxley match, it did not make Brody look weak at all. And that's I think is the the greatest thing that they took out of this because you can still see Brody coming back as a contender for the title because. It took Moxley dropping him through the floor and then still beating the shit out of him to win that match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had him, what, two or three times with his move before he finished him off? Yeah, after dropping him through the floor. Yeah. He had to choke his ass out. So yeah. I, I'm thinking that they, you know, he's got the match against Cage coming up in the next month or two. I think they're going to do Brody versus Moxley again, maybe at, at All Out. and That could happen. Maybe it's a maybe it's a cage match next time. You just have to see what they're gonna do with you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, buddy, you got it right. Hey, you could take Dustin and run a storyline with him. That wouldn't last long. So he's gonna sit back and wait and see how they want to do this. Maybe they brought Cage in too quick. I don't know. Um, could have run a couple more maybe months maybe, with Brody Lee. Like, yeah, maybe too quick for the the championship match, but. I think it'll be all right. I think 
Cage is going to put Moxley to his limit. I'm, I'm really excited huh. to see that match. Yeah, he eventually have lose it, and then he'll win it back. He ain't going nowhere. He's a hell of a, like I said earlier, that was the biggest addition they made in that AEW in my book. And he, he's very happy in AEW because he doesn't have the shackles on him anymore. Um, as well as they, they let him go over to New Japan and wrestle in New Japan whenever he wants to so he can go crazy in New Japan and go crazy in AEW yeah. and just really enjoy himself. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. These guys are getting the liberty of going over there, like you're saying. So let's let's get into that stadium stampede match because yeah. you know it was like it was like 45 minutes. So oh. they, I feel they did the great. They had the the thought to to pre-tape this match, and I think that was the best thing that they could have done. Yeah. So what ha- what happened is um, they taped this match on Friday night the night before. They basically, it took them like five hours to do the whole thing. I wouldn't doubt that. So, but by them doing that, it allowed them to really have all of the things that they wanted to do without you sitting there for two or three minutes while like, um, Hangman and Hager walked to the back to that bar. You were able to do all these things and they took their time and really put, put the work in and put together an amazing match. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, the funniest part of that match when Ortiz, they rang that belt away. He was shaking. <laughs> and then Matt Hardy taped him to that damn chair. I'm telling you. Now, there's, a, there's another one that it, it, it gives it all he's got. But, yeah, uh, the funniest part of that match was him, you know, sitting there shaking, you know. I, I, I love Ortiz. He's by far one of the best sellers in wrestling right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Um. The, the right before that when the, you know they're they're trying to literally drown Matt Hardy, and he's like, "I'm not getting in the pool that's two feet deep because yeah. I can't swim." <laughs> yeah, and then he showed how long Matt Hardy held his breath, which he did. Yeah, that and that was cool. Like they they run through a bunch of Matt Hardy's old gimmicks. I think that's a a good thing for him because yeah, he's been a good wrestler. It's let it, well, it's let him. Have those moments when he's when he's feeling good, and he can wrestle that old style. And then when he's not feeling good, and he's you know, let's be honest, Matt Hardy doesn't really have a tailbone anymore. Shit, no, not all them lighter matches him and his brother have been in through the world. Yeah, so when he's having those moments when he can't really move anymore, they use that the broken character. Yeah, and I think Matt's just a wonderful storyteller. He's always been good at it, and. Coming out of WWE again after he got really wasted in those last few years of his career has been a godsend for AEW because guy is so creative. Um, yeah. I, I really love the part in the bar where um, after Sammy Guevara got chased by a horse, um, you know, Hangman got lost in the stadium, found a bar, went and sat down and started drinking. Um, and then they had Jake Hager come in, sit down, drink with him, and then they just had a literal bar fight. Yeah, that yeah, they go where he broke pool stick over. Yeah, um, and then it finally took a while to knock his ass out. Well, he's a fucking caveman, so that makes sense. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, I have to say though, like in, we we talked about this last night. The really the MVP of this whole match though was Sammy Guevara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, probably the best. It's one of his better moments, yeah, especially at the end of the match. Get, getting chased by a horse, getting chased by a golf cart again. Well, and then what's his face flipped him all the way from one end of the stadium to the other, and that damn natural turf ain't no damn piece of rubber mat it, either. It sure ain't. And that's, the, you know, the funny thing to me, he wakes up because he passed the fuck out from getting his ass whipped. Yeah. He thought he won the match, and now you're going to get fucked up again and got chased by a golf cart. Um, the parts with Jericho where with Nick Jackson where they're arguing and you know he gets hit in the dick with a football. Yeah. Um, and then he argued with Aubrey Edwards was great. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then they went in there and watched the replay, and he's still arguing with her. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good showman. He's a good showman. He's always had been. I felt like. And he's been through some pretty rough times through some of the federations. You know, he one of his. Starting points was in the ECW with Taz and all that bunch of crazy bastards. Uh, yeah, and he and sadly he's also lost a lot of his very close friends throughout the years as well. Oh, so, uh, a lot of them. Um, but 
I felt like the the part with the challenging the play on the field and then with Nick getting the the penalty for excessive yeah. I thought that was a little bit of Tony Khan poking fun at the NFL, which that's valid. Yeah. Um, the 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 moonsault off of the goalpost. Was that awesome. was good. Um, and then really, I think the the biggest highlight for me is just that Sammy Guevara just put the work in and just you know kicked ass. And over the this past year, he has grown so much as a competitor. You know, he was he was in the first match of AEW as a singles competitor. He was in the first match on Dynamite. Um, when he first started, he had a stupid gimmick and he was this pretty boy, but he has moved into being paired up with Jericho and having Chris Jericho as his mentor has taught him so much and man the kid's got the, the sky's the limit for him yeah they don't take too many more of these damn drop offs from 20 foot up he'd be alright yeah he's come a long way he's come a very long way he'd be alright now what you do with him you keep him drag assing around Jericho or Eventually, I see him probably coming up cruiserweight belt. Eventually, next year, if he's there, he'd be a good candidate to hold a belt for a while. Yeah, that's. I think that was one of the original plans. Like I, we knew that AEW was always going to have a second championship, but they kind of needed something like you know, and that's what they brought in. They brought in a TV title, basically, which works out perfectly. But I think they maybe they need one more male belt and that's like uh just for the lighter weight guys because you have a lot of guys in the company who are let's face it they're about 200 to 10 yeah there ain't no big boys like old lance archer yeah it's just it's lance and cage that's about it and dipshit uh brody well or rascal jericho what's his name been all around the place uh, jk with the cage yeah, he's had so many damn names I can't keep up with. Him. Yeah, I just call him a caveman because he looks like a caveman. Yeah. Like a caveman. But you're right. You can take Jungle Boy. Like I said, uh, Sammy and all them. You you could, you could start a good division there, but I'd take my time with it and then decide when it's time to bring the belt, which would be a good idea. I'll have a tournament and then throw a cha- championship match on pay-per-view some, against each other. Yeah, it's something, you know, that they're supposed, supposedly being uh, a second AEW television in the works. Yeah. I think that plan's on halt right now with, you know, everything going down in the world and they're really operating, even now, with about a 50% roster. So there's still, there's not as many guys out there that can fill one show for two hours every week, much no. like two. No, uh, that's true. Once they get that, everything gets back a little bit to the that new normal, as we say. That second show will probably pop up, and maybe a year or two down the road, they'll have a, a cruiserweight belt or something like that for them to compete for. And I think that'll be a really good place for, you know, it won't even really be a mid card belt. It's just, hey, we're not two hundred fifty pounds, so we're going to go for that. Yeah, that's true. So um, that's kind of the whole card, and you know, overall, you know, like I said, I love this pay per view. I'm probably going to watch it parts of it again because I really enjoyed the whole thing. Well, I always got to keep it better. Yeah, so we'll probably, you know, we'll swing back around probably, you know, around Labor Day after All Out, you know, the next big pay-per-view, and we'll do another one of these. But it's been fun sitting down and talking wrestling with you. No problem. We can always do it. Yeah. I appreciate it myself. Give me something to do besides sitting staring at the fucking wall. Hey, man, that's what I do every day, but it's okay. Um... But yeah, so we'll, let's. We'll Probably keeps your mind on a track. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, let's let's get out of here, and we will come back in a couple months. So Ten four. Thank you for sitting down with me, Dad. I appreciate the invite. Yep, and we will catch everybody again soon. <laughs>